Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, uh, episode four. Thanks for uh, listening to the previous three. Uh, uh, thanks to everybody for the uh, the kind uh, comments and the feedback. Uh, it was uh, very constructive. Uh, special thanks to Nathan Potter for uh, the last episode. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed myself. Um, and then uh, just wanted to mention that uh, our theme music and uh, pretty much all the music that you will be hearing uh, on this show uh, was composed and performed by Chris Carner, uh, an old friend of mine, and uh, I think he's a great musician, and so uh, hopefully I'll be able to uh, have more of his uh, music in, in the future. So, um, All right, so just wanted to let everybody know that uh, the show is available on iTunes now. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there isn't a graphic for it. Uh, we do have a logo, and uh, I'm trying to upload it. I don't know why I'm telling you this. It bothers me immensely. Anyway... Uh, so it's available on iTunes, and uh, I would say that if you like the show, um, please uh, subscribe to it uh, through iTunes. I think there's actually uh, there's other uh, programs that you can use to subscribe. Uh, I've only ever used iTunes with other podcasts, so that's the only one I know of, but uh, I think there are other options. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, when people subscribe, that's basically how I can tell... Uh, the number of people that are listening. And as far as I can tell right now, uh, based on just what friends have said and feedback that I've gotten, I, I think the, uh, the number of listeners to subscribers is like a, like a 10 to one ratio. So, um, so yeah, if you could go and subscribe, that would be great. Uh, there is a, uh, a link to, um, you know, how, how to subscribe and all that on the actual website, more than one lesson.com. And then also on the uh, website, there's the blog. Uh, as I mentioned before, we have several bloggers, and uh, each of them have been uh, starting to contribute more often. And so go over there and read what they have to say. Um, it's uh, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, also, there is a forum on the website. Uh, a couple of people have, have uh, contributed to it so far. I literally just mean a couple. Uh, where you can basically go and you can discuss uh, really whatever you want. There's several categories over there. Um, so you can go and talk about an episode of the show, you can talk about the blog, you can talk about a movie you've seen, you can talk about aspects of faith, uh, really whatever you like. So, uh, so head on over there and, uh, and give that a look. So, uh, episode four, here we go. Uh, okay, so now that uh, I've spent the last few weeks uh, probably angering uh, any non-Christian listening, I, th- I think it's time to flip it around. And uh, take on uh, a subject that uh, that's pretty big when it comes to uh, Christians uh, uh, watching films and, and that sort of thing, and that is the 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 concept of profanity uh, or vulgarity. Um, now, this is you know, there's a lot of people who will refuse. I mean, just they cannot handle uh, you know bad language. Uh, curse words and that sort of thing, or, or certainly any kind of sexual jokes. And uh, at this point, I'm only going to talk about things that are said. I'm not going to talk about like actual images of vulgarity. That's for another episode. But uh, right now, just things that characters say. Uh, and, uh, and so I'll, I'll, read a, I'll read a Bible verse here real quick, because why not? Uh, it's Proverbs 8.13. Uh, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance evil behavior, and perverse speech. Perverse speech is what uh, we're going to focus on right now. Um, because uh, as, it, as it happens, uh, I know 
several Christians, and some of them, some of them swear, and some of them don't. Uh, and this this verse, this verse, the idea of perverse speech. You know, some would say that, oh, well, perhaps it's the actual words you're using. Some would say, well, it's no, it's the tone in which I'm using them. That sort of thing. I, I'm not even going. I'm not going to talk about that aspect of it. Uh, I'll leave that up to you know pastors and stuff. But what I will talk about it, uh, we'll talk about is uh, profanity uh, in film and uh, how we should uh, approach it or how we can approach it. Uh, so today's episode is about a movie that came out a couple years ago, a movie that I absolutely love, uh, called Superbad. <laughs> so, uh, and for those that have seen it, I'm sure you're already, uh, your eyebrows have perked up because uh, I looked it up and Superbad contains uh, a the F word itself or various, various uh, variations uh, uh, on it uh, about 200 times. So that's, you know, that's all. <laughs> the movie's about 100 minutes, so that's about twice a minute. Um, which, you know, so I decided to just jump in uh, with both feet here. Um, I was talking to, uh, to a, a Christian couple that I know, and, uh, and I was talking about uh, Superbad. And for those that don't know, Superbad was directed by Greg Matola. It's got, uh, uh, it was written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Uh, it was produced by Judd Apatow, who did 40-Year-Old Virgin, and uh, Knocked Up, and it stars Michael Sarah and uh, Jonah Hill. So, you know, if you, if you know Knocked Up or 40-Year-Old Virgin, you know that vulgarity and profanity plays a pretty big role in his films. And uh, so anyway, so I was talking about uh, the movie with this couple of mine, uh, this couple friend of mine, and uh, and they were talking about how they just they they didn't care for it. They thought it was too vulgar and they just they couldn't they couldn't hear it. And certainly uh, it, it is it's pretty vulgar, uh, both in the language used and the things that are said. And they said they just couldn't. Uh, they found absolutely no humor in it because they were only concerned with uh, with the language, and uh, and I felt, and, and that's the thing is, you know, I one thing that I've tried to be uh, in, you know, the last few years is 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 more understanding. You know, in my when I was eighteen, I would have just labeled those, you know, this these friends of mine as like, oh, they're just dumb, they're just ignorant, they just don't know how to deal with this. And as, as I've gotten older, I understand. It's like, well, if if you come from a if you come from a background where you didn't hear profanity or you weren't allowed to watch rated R movies or something like that, well, then hearing it two hundred times in a film, it's going to be a little jarring, I think. And so, um, so I I try not to say that you know they're they're ignorant, they're in a bubble, which is something that a lot of Christians like to say about other Christians that they just like living in their little bubble. Um, so, uh, so I'm not gonna. I, I certainly don't want to characterize these these people as that. Uh, but on the flip side of that, I, I don't want to. What one thing that I want to to try to uh, you know get across in this episode is that uh, for myself, because I you know uh, watched rated R movies you know when I was younger and I hung around people who swore and that sort of thing, you know I just I I got kind of accustomed to it. Um, and as such, I can, I can watch a movie where there's a lot of profanity and, uh, it usually, it usually doesn't bother me depend. uh, There are certain words that still kind of get me, but, um, but they kind of get everybody, frankly. Um, and so, uh, 
So I, I don't. I feel like a movie should not be dismissed simply because it contains any one thing. It could be you know whether it be violence or sex, or nudity or language. Um, to me, all of those artistically can be used to further the story they can have an actual purpose so it's not it's not for me it's not that they're used it's how they're used and uh and in the case of super bad i feel like it's not just a movie with a lot of swearing that ultimately means nothing uh because i've i've always viewed super bad as a real a, a really fascinating portrayal of uh male specifically male friendship uh now in this case the characters are both in high school but the aspects of their friendship one could you know the it could be the same with uh you know a couple of 35 year olds or maybe even 50 year olds just guys that have been friends for several years um so the story of superbad is about uh these two guys Evan and Seth uh and their friend uh Fogel who they are two weeks away from uh, high school graduation, and one of them, and, and they're going to have to separate uh, when they go to college. And so these are guys; they've been like lifelong friends, inseparable. And uh, it's—I mean, I, I mentioned Fogel, but it's basically about the just the two characters. And um, and so it's a it's a Friday, and uh, they just discovered that there's a party going on uh, at uh, this girl's house. And Seth happens to like this girl, and then the girl that Evan likes will also be there. And so uh, so they're going to go to the party, and there's going to be, uh, you know, a great deal of pressure on them to, you know, impress these, these girls. And they both kind of have a, a different way uh, of going about it. Uh, and so then they discover that Fogel is actually going to be getting a fake ID, which means that, uh, he can buy beer. And so all of a sudden, Seth and Evan have access to alcohol, which at a high school party makes them really popular and really invaluable. And so Seth sees this as a prime opportunity to, like, you know, get in with this uh, girl that he really likes. Um, and it should be noted that uh, Seth is played by uh, Jonah Hill, who is... He's kind of an overweight guy, not really that attractive. I'll mention that. That, that comes into play later. Um, so the story winds up being uh, about Evan and Seth trying to get alcohol and the various misadventures that they have as they're trying to do so. Um, and as it, you know, as you go through and you get to know the characters, you see that Evan is kind of a nice, polite guy, very courteous, very friendly, uh, kind of awkward in places, basically what... Uh, Michael Sarah has come to embody in every way um, and then Seth on the other hand is he's very loud and blustery and he uh, he's just he tends to yell a lot and really exaggerate things and uh, and it's usually through something that he does that they kind of get in trouble in some way and uh, and you get the the impression that Evan is not always pleased with the things that Seth does and ultimately it winds up uh, bubbling to the surface uh, near the end as they find themselves uh, in trouble with the cops and it comes out that uh, that Evan is going to be rooming with uh, Fogel at college and and Seth uh, just can't 
processed that because he always thought that Fogel was the guy that they just kind of tolerated. So why on earth would Evan room with him at college? So everything just comes pouring out of Evan in which he, he talks about how Seth has been just dragging him down for the last few years and just, you know, that Evan could have spent his time better in, in high school doing more constructive things. And, and Evan is just taking, I'm sorry, Seth is just taken aback by this because this is the first he's heard of it. And he comes back at Evan and says, you know, why didn't you tell me this? years ago instead of keep it all keeping it all inside and what's interesting is as the film has gone on you find yourself sympathizing very much with Evan and with Seth a little bit in the sense that he's kind of funny but uh, for the most part he you just kind of he's kind of annoying in some areas and he's and you're much more on board with with Evan but in that moment you come to realize that yeah it doesn't do anybody any good to keep your emotions inside and then just release them after they've after you literally can't do it anymore and i feel like that in that way uh the the film is about about you know kind of male friendship and uh one could say about masculinity in general one of the things that uh that if you read books, you know, Christian or otherwise, you know, they, they always talk about just the, the, uh, the male need, the masculine need to be like this stoic hero. Don't, you know, don't complain. Don't talk about your feelings. Don't let your feeling, don't let your emotions run away with you. Just keep everything inside. Never let anybody know what you're, what you're thinking or feeling. And, uh, and so Evan, even though he's the, been this polite guy, very friendly, uh, we come to find out that he has been doing that, and you realize that Seth has a point that, you know, a- as annoying as he might be, sometimes he he lets people know where where they stand with him, and and if in fact Evan had been resenting him all these years, why didn't he should have just said it and stopped wasting both of their time? Uh, but it should be noted that after this, you know, they part ways, but then as uh, the cops uh, raid the the house where the party is um evan is passed out because he's drunk and seth can barely walk but the cops are coming and he realizes i gotta save my buddy and so he picks up evan and carries him out and saves him from the cops and they have uh, a moment at the end where they go back to evan's house and they have a sleepover and they're both kind of drunk and uh, they declare their love for each other. Uh, not, of course, in a uh, Brokeback Mountain kind of way, uh, but just, you know, just in, in a, just a friendship way. Because when they say it, they say it almost as if it was a realization that they never thought of, the idea that they can actually have uh, tremendous affection for each other and that they're going to really miss each other. You know, they're not, they can't say that sort of thing. They felt they, they can't say that sort of thing, but once the emotional floodgates have been let open in that argument scene, well, then, you know, they are friends, and they and they really do care for each other, and that's going to come out as well. So throughout all of this, they're, of course, swearing and making jokes about sex and, uh, <laughs> and you know, uh, the human anatomy. See, that's my way of getting around saying any of the th- stuff that they say. Um, and... 
And it really lends itself to the reality of the situation. You really believe that these guys are old friends. The way they relate to each other, it's just so familiar. And it's just they're making jokes. And they're making the jokes that a couple of 18-year-old guys who incidentally are not Christian, uh, they're making the jokes that they that those those kinds of guys make. And and that's the thing is is one, one thing that bothers me is I, I feel like as Christians, we need to stop holding, in, in film especially, we need to stop holding non-Christian fictional characters up to our Christian moral standard. They don't, they, they don't know that Bible verse that I read. You know, and, and if they do know it, they probably don't believe it. These characters do not profess Christianity. They're getting drunk and, you know, trying to have sex. And so, like, just instinctively... It it does lend itself to realism. It does it does help sell the reality of these characters, and so the audience that's going to be seeing this movie, which I would say, I mean anybody, you know, I saw it when I was twenty five. But uh, the primary audience for the film, because it's about high schoolers, are high schoolers. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, American Pie came out, and uh, which I will not be talking about uh, on the show. Um, and it was very vulgar and a lot of language and all that. And it was for people our own age. We could see it and see the reality that we are living in. Um, and the people who most near need to hear the message of Superbad, which is, you know, the idea of cultivating strong, honest friendships as opposed to just like, hey, we uh, we like the same things. Let's hang out. But, you know, like actually having the kind of friend that you can share your feelings with, share your goals with. That's important for an 18-year-old to hear. And so if you don't sell the reality of the of of who these people are, then no 18-year-old uh high school guy is going to accept the inherent message. And even if they're not able to vocalize that message, they're they're still internalizing it. They're still they still understand when Seth says, "Don't hold all this inside." And then later on, when they talk about why don't we, you know, it's a humorous scene, but it's actually kind of kind of heartfelt. Um, you know, why don't we, you know, why don't we just say that we're going to miss each other? Like it's important for an eighteen year old guy who he's becoming an adult and. That doesn't just mean getting out of school. It means cultivating adult, mature relationships, both with people of the opposite sex, or uh, got you know his his fellow guy friends. And so, in this instance, I don't mind the profanity. You know, I I, I feel like it was absolutely necessary to sell these characters and sell the situation. Um, and then I'll, I'll briefly mention uh, a couple other things. Uh, about about the film and some attitudes uh, that I've read about it. Uh, yes, alcohol is uh, is consumed a lot by minors. Um, people drink at high school parties. Uh, I I didn't, but I know plenty of people that did. And so again, it's about the reality that these people are living in. And some would say that it glorifies the use of alcohol. I don't think so at all. People, like, at the end... Okay, so, basically, Seth and Evan, they both wind up kind of with 
their respective crushes at the end. And Evan is like his his would be girlfriend is very drunk and she wants him like she is throwing herself at him like she's taking off her clothes, taking off his clothes. Um, But she's really drunk. And Evan understands that uh, having sex with this girl, even though I've really I've really liked her for a long time, like having sex with her when she's drunk like that's that that's not that's. This is going to sound kind of juvenile. It's not cool. It's, you know, I mean, it's it's almost taking advantage of her at that point. And so he actually realizes that he got what he wanted, but it was it was through alcohol and and he rejects that. And then of course, he's rewarded by for rejecting that because she th- immediately vomits and had he gone through with it, uh it would have been all over him. So that's that's gross. Uh, flip side of that, Seth uh, is you know he's pretty drunk. Uh, the girl that he likes is not drunk, and he is flabbergasted. Like he thought that she drank. Her name is Jules, and he just said like, "Nah, you drink. Come on." And she goes, "No, I I don't drink. I want a beer for the party so people would have a good time." And he gets he almost starts crying. I believe he actually does start crying. And she wants to know why, and he says, like, he goes, I wanted to get you, you know, he's like, I wanted you to get drunk because I wanted you to be my girlfriend for the summer. And she's like, well, why do you think you'd need to get me drunk? He goes, well, look at you. And she's a very attractive woman, and then he says, look at me. And as I mentioned before, he's not an attractive guy. And and so, like, for him, like, all his bluster and all his bravado, like, ultimately he is just an insecure, overweight 18-year-old. And so he feel like... He literally feels that the only way this girl will ever like him is if she's drunk. Like, that's a, that's a very, that is not a very glamorous view of alcohol. You know, that is, a, that is actually quite sad. Um, and then if you actually look at, uh, at another section of the film, they actually go to, um, they go to a party with people that are about 10 years older than they are. Maybe, maybe even 15. Uh, just a bunch of late 20s, early 30s. Uh, people at this house and they're all just getting really drunk but the party is very different uh there's a lot like fights break out uh you know this woman uh hits on seth only to find out that her boyfriend you know she has a boyfriend um and it it just and it's very awkward and uncomfortable and threatening and you kind of get the impression that like these are like these the people at this particular party are people who got really drunk when they were 18 and then never stopped like they just continued on that path never really grew up and so their their own lives are kind of sad you know they're they're doing coke they're drinking they're you know it's just it's there are funny moments in that house but they're there it's also very very tense and so i feel like that is not a glamorous view of alcohol either and so again the the use just because just because a movie contains something does not necessarily mean that it's glamorizing it and with alcohol i certainly don't think that it that it does and and of course as far as the the characters attitudes towards sex both of them go into the party wanting it but realize that it's actually uh in the case of evan like he realizes that it actually is something valuable it's something you know i mean he he certainly isn't saying that he wants to wait till marriage or anything but 
he acknowledges it's like, yeah, just getting with this this drunk chick is not showing her the proper respect and it's not showing this thing that I want to do. It's not showing that the proper respect either. And so I think that even though there's a lot of language and a lot of very vulgar jokes and a lot of drinking, I think it's actually a remarkably mature film. And as I said before, it's just a really solid example of, of male friendship, more specifically what it should be as opposed to what it is. And, and I feel like for that reason, the language is okay because the audience that needs, that probably most needs to see that film will see themselves in these characters and, and the way these characters behave. So, um, I should have said spoilers early on. Sorry, everybody. Cause I just gave away the whole ending of Superbad. Um, but what I will say is if you are somebody who, you know, language bothers you. I'm not suggesting that you jump right in and see super bad. Um, I'm saying that just, you know, think about it, pray about it, understand the, the purpose that, that like language, uh, like profanity and vulgarity can serve, like try to understand that from an artistic standpoint and then, and then just, you know, and then just keep going. And then you'll, you'll probably run across some movies where there is language, but not very much of it. You know, and you'll, and maybe someday you'll be able to watch, you know, Superbad or Glengarry Glen Ross or the other movie that we're going to talk about today, which, as it happens, there's tremendous similarities between Superbad uh, and this movie, which is uh, The Big Lebowski, which came out in 98 and it was directed by the Coen brothers. Uh, and a lot of, you know, and th- this, again, it this movie's about a lot of things and it, and it, has a very complex plot and these very kind of strange, almost cartoonish characters. Um, but at the heart of it is uh, is uh, a male friendship between Jeff Lebowski, known as the Dude, and Walter Sobchak, and the and the relationship is actually quite similar. Uh, you can imagine Seth when he grows up becomes Walter. He's over. He's overweight. He's very loud and blustery, and and you don't really understand why people hang out with him. Uh, and the dude, he tries to be laid back. He ta- he kind of goes off every once in a while, but he tries to be laid back. He smokes a lot of pot. Um, and these guys swear all the time, and it's just like anger and all that. But as the uh, <laughs> as the story develops, which includes kidnapping and nihilists and porn producers and all that kind of thing, uh, and and as the story develops. What's interesting is that the dude is not in it uh, alone. You know, the the story itself is actually very similar to like some old like old time film noir plots, like you know, uh, Double Indemnity and the Maltese Falcon and uh, The Big Sleep and that sort of thing. The story is very complex, and uh, you know, the hero just kind of almost stumbles into it. But the difference between those movies and The Big Lebowski is that Sam Spade and Philip Marlowe they they didn't have like they they didn't have a friend to go into the into this with them they, it was just them by themselves they could only the only person they could count on is themselves whereas in the Big Lebowski the dude has Walter and like Walter brings himself it kind of invites himself along on some of these adventures. And even though Walter sometimes makes it worse, in fact, I'd say he usually does. Um, 
even though that happens, you know, the dude could always just say, hey, Walter, maybe don't don't come, you know, don't come with me as I drop off money to kidnappers. Like, don't come. He could say that, but he doesn't. And I think because he understands that it's important to have somebody there with you, somebody who will support you, even if what they do makes things worse. They're there for you. And, you know, at the end of the film, spoilers, it came out 11 years ago. I shouldn't have said spoilers. Uh, At the end, uh, a third friend uh, of theirs winds up dying and and they just and that's the thing is they these guys certainly will not declare their feelings for each other but you know Walter who's kind of this big blowhard you know he gives dude a big hug and they just and they go bowling which is what they do they're they're strong loyal friends who they'll have their little spats but they have tremendous affection for each other. And, of course, throughout it all, they are swearing like sailors. Um, I don't know why anybody ever said that. I, I, you know, I, I wonder if there's, like, a very clean-mouthed sailor out there who's just like, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I don't do that. But, anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So, it's just... So, profan- as I was saying earlier, profanity can play a role. It can be a very useful tool in selling the reality of the story we're watching. Uh, but theme, but so that's kind of uh, a larger point that I wanted to make. But as far as super bad and the Big Lebowski go, uh, you know, watch them for for some interesting med- meditations is kind of a strong word, but I'll go ahead and say it. You know, watch them for some interesting meditations on male friendship, and if you're a guy, you know, compare your own friendships to those. I mean, are, do you have do you find yourself, you know, do you have strong male friends that you're you can be open and honest with? Um, I mean, I'm almost willing. I'm almost uh, willing to go back to episode two in which I talked about the idea of accountability partners. Like, you know, just because these characters aren't Christian doesn't mean that Christians can't learn something from their, you know, from them. Uh, you know, it's important to have strong friendships of the same gender. This can this goes for men or, or women. Um, you know that you can be open and honest with, and that you know you can always count on, and uh, and that's that's what these what these movies are all about. So um, so yeah, that's my discussion of Superbad and the Big Lebowski. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, you can always email me your feedback, uh, Tyler at more than one lesson dot com. Uh, as I said before, go to iTunes, subscribe. If you felt like leaving a really nice comment on iTunes, by all means, I'm not going to stop you. And uh, and go to the website, morethanonelesson.com, and, and read some of the blogs and, and uh, participate in the forum and, uh, and all that. So uh, thank you very much, and I'll get you next time. Bye.